Well, we've been in this series called Tag You're It. It started with tagged, that God tags you, then you are to tag someone else, and you're being tagged, then you ought to be tagging someone else. And my first message in the Tag You're It was tag. Yes, uh, last week, last Sunday, we talked about treasure, that there is a treasure in the vessel. If we're asking for the outpouring of the Spirit, the awakening, we're yelling for an awakening, he's, oh, he's yelling for vessels. You gotta fill yourself up, empty yourself out, fill yourself up, and how many of you enjoyed last week's message? All three of you, I loved it, but that's okay, amen. I preached it to God, he loved it, amen. That's who I'm trying to please in the first place. But I wanna talk about something a little bit different, and I want us to go to our main passage, our overarching passage, to speak this into your life, that you should be tagging someone and you are tagged by God if you're gonna claim his name. So let's go to John 15, 16. I love when y'all read this out loud because I just think it just, just upset, the word always upsets the devil. Always, always does. That's why sometimes I just love reading it out loud. So why don't you join me? John 15, 16, the words of Jesus about you. You ready? Here we go, ready? He said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Again, I didn't talk to this brother, but there was a constant reference to the Holy Spirit that he's trying to say, not just to this church, but to you individually and those even you watching at home. This word about being tied to something and the word the Lord gave me this week when I was studying this and saying, what do you want out of the life of Elisha that deals with tag you're it? What is it? And the word that the Holy Spirit gave given me was tethered. You must be tethered to the presence of God all the time. All the time. I'm grateful for some of you that came today on Sunday, those of you watching online, great Great, great, but Sunday's just not going to do it. You must be continually tethered. And the word tethered literally means to be fastened to something, to be tied to something, to be bound to something. And here's what I really believe. I truly believe that we are a lot of a product of what we are tethered to, what you're tied to, what you fastened to. And that's what this word was about is that whatever you're fastened to is going to determine the outcome of God's presence in your life. Uh, let me put it another way. Whatever you're bound to, you will be blessed through. How many want to be blessed? I want to be blessed. I want, oh, some of you don't want to be blessed. Just give me yours then. Come on, amen? Go empty your bank account and give it to me. Do something, okay? How many want to be blessed in this house, amen? Absolutely, absolutely. But you got to remember what you're fastened to, what you're bound to, is what you're blessed through. So look at the words of Jesus in John 15, 5. Look what he said in that same chapter, and notice what he said. These were other words he said. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who what, everybody? Can you say it out loud? Let's, let's say it again. You at home say it with us. Those who remain in me, and I in them will produce, will produce, will produce much fruit. He said, I chose you to produce fruit, but here's the deal. 
you better be fastened, tethered, tied, and remain in me, and I in you, and out of that, you're going to produce some kind of fruit that'll be so blessing, for apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, listen, I've, I've heard my preaching, okay, I've heard it, I promise you, if it's good, it's God, if it's bad, I probably got involved somewhere, but if you will remain in him, you're going to produce fruit and good fruit. The problem is that some of us are tied to things that are producing outcomes that you don't want. So here's the deal. There is a blessing. There is a blessing when you join your heart to the heart of God. And when you join your house to God's house. And well, you can even put it physically, tying your house to the house of God. I believe there's blessing that comes when you come to the house of God. I really believe it. There's a blessing of God that's here. How many of you sense it just in the worship and praise, our time together, amen? But I also believe that when you tie this spiritual house to God's house, there is blessing that when you stay tied and tethered to the presence of God. So I want to take you to a story that happened with Elisha, and he encounters this woman from a place called Shunem. And I want to read it to you in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. And I want you to stay with me in this story because there's something about when you tie your heart to God's heart and you join your house to God's heart and you stay tethered into his presence and what the outcome is that you begin to produce in your walk with God. Ready? Here we go. He says, so just bear with me. I'm going to read a little scripture here. He says, now there came... A day when Elisha passed over to Shunem, where there was a prominent woman. Uh, the word was she was a wealthy woman. And she persuaded him to eat food. And so it was as often as he passed by, he turned in there to eat food. She said to her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, passing by continually. Please let us make a little walled upper chamber. Let us set a bed for him there, a table and a chair and a lampstand. Those are important things, a lampstand. And it shall be that when he comes to us, he can turn in there. And here's what she was saying. She was saying, you know, I love when he visits and something happened that attracted him that... I have good food here, and it attracted him, and this guy wanted, how many of you know good food can get you into places in a hurry, amen? I mean, I don't care if it's a hole in a wall or a dump. If it's got good food, buddy, I'm there. And here he is, and he kept turning in there, kept turning in there, kept turning in there, and he would visit her. But she says, wait a minute, do you know there's something more than we can have than there's this momentary encounter with the presence? It wasn't just about the man, it was about I perceive him, that God is in this, his, God's presence is here. And he thinks she's thinking, wait a minute, we can get more than just having him over for dinner. How many of you love, how many of you love when God gives us a visitation? Amen. Oh, oh, I love the visitation of God. This woman loved the visit, but she says, I think you can go beyond a visit. Now, I love when you, I love when you can have a visitation from God. I love visitations. I, I, I love it. I've been in a lot of encounters with great visitations from God. I'm telling you, a visitation will do something in you that nothing else will when you get a visitation from God. How many have ever had God encounter you in a special way? A visitation, maybe in your prayer life, maybe in your alone time, just encounter with the presence of God. I love the visitation of God. In fact, I'm going to tell you, listen, our nation, that's what we need is a divine visitation from God. That's what we need. 
That's what we need. You know, my heart grieved that proposal three went through. My heart grieved over that. But I'm going to tell you something. I made a decision a long time ago. A vote's never going to transform a soul. <laughs> a vote's never going to transform a soul. There's not one political party that can transform a soul. A vote's not going to transform a soul. But a visitation from God can transform the most hardened, cynical person. Turn around. A visitation where they encounter the presence of God. And I really truly believe, listen, I, I must, I must, that's the reason why. When you get in the presence of God and you stay in the presence of God, can I tell you, you just don't let, you do not let the world determine the way you're going to respond. You're going to outcome your joy. It didn't stop my joy. It didn't stop my mission. I still woke up this morning wanting to beat the devil's brains in. I just, that's the, I just want the presence of God in my life. And I truly believe that there is a visitation a great awakening that is coming to our country in the likes that nobody can stop, that transforms the heart of men. But I will tell you this, before you ever have a great awakening, there is always a rude awakening first. And when I watch 2,000 kids in here going after God, when I see 192 of our young people wanting to show up to a place for a weekend to give themselves up to say, God, pour into me, I'm going to tell you, I believe that the greatest encounter of God that transformed the heart and hearts of young men and women is going to pour through this nation like we've never seen before. How many of you truly believe? God, give us a mighty visitation. Amen? I thank God for visitations. I have chased visitations before. I knew God was moving somewhere. I'd go over there and I'd go, I'd go to that meeting. I'd run to the next one. I heard God's using this up. I'd go to that meeting. I'd go to that church. I'd go to that prayer meeting. God's been moving. I'd go. I love the visitation of God. But this woman says, I want more than just the visitation from God. I want him to stay and dwell in this house. And sometimes I think, oh, if I can say this with a, I don't want to hurt your feelings or I guess even my own feelings. But we live in a spiritual visitation mentality in the church in America. And it's not bad that we say these things, but you know, I used to go to churches and before I became a pastor, I was in a different church every week with spiritual emphasis. They call them revival. I'd go Sunday, leave Wednesday. Revival was Sunday through Wednesday. So we started creating this idea that God moves from that Sunday through Wednesday when a special guy shows up. Let's go to the encounter weekend, honey. Thank God. I love the encounter week special things, but now we just put God that he's going to work on the weekend when he ought to be working while you're pushing the lawn and he's dealing with you and ministering to you and blessing you and convicting you and stirring you up and encouraging you. I can't wait till Sunday. Sunday's not enough for me. I love hanging out with y'all, but Sunday is not enough for me. We almost create this spiritual, this spiritual visitation mentality. And this lady says, I want more than just a special weekend, an encounter. She says, I want the favor and the presence of God to remain in this house. 
My conclusion is this, is that if we want to see the presence of God remain in our personal lives, even in the house of God, can I tell you, we have to rid ourselves of the visitor mentality and come to the place that we are beyond the visitation, but it required something of this lady to say, I see him passing by continually. I just don't want him to pass by. I want him to stay in this house because there is a blessing that goes beyond a visitor mentality in the spirit okay I don't think you're getting this who's got family coming over for Thanksgiving uh huh I can see some of you just yeah but you love it when they come visit don't you you love it for about five minutes got visitors coming at you love it listen I love when visitors come to house I love when visitors and I love I love when they stay but I don't love when they stay too long Now, you know, come on, you know how you are. Come on, ladies, you, you're especially, you're the, you're the hostess with the mostest. You just want to make sure everything goes so good and you do everything to make your visitors. You're saying, you're calling up. Now, what, what, kind, of, now, now, what, what, what kind of soft drinks do you like? What, what, what do you like? We want to make sure we have in the house. Oh, you want zero, not diet. Zero, oh, okay. You, 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 want, you want low sodium. Oh, okay, you want, you, want, you want Perrier water and not that cheap stuff that, you know, you... Okay, we got it. We got you all covered. You get them over the house. Now, what do you eat? Do you have any allergies? You're gluten-free or you just like a lot of gluten? What do you like? What do you, you like fat, fat fat-free? What do you want? And you're making all your designing. You got tofu turkey that week. I mean, you've got everything designed just for your visitors because you want them to feel welcome. You ask them, I give you this bed, this bed. How's your back? I heard you had back problems. You want to do everything for your visitor. Is it too hot, too cold for you? Did you sleep comfortable last night? You wake up and did you? how did you sleep last night? But if they're staying two weeks, you could care less how they sleep. You want them out of there. <laughs> Have you known people with visitor mentality? You are doing everything. They are providing nothing. They are simply there. If I could just go back to my message last week, they are consumer Christians. Make sure it has the right thing to drink. Make sure the music's not too loud, not too quiet. Make, it, make sure it's too fast, too slow. Preaching too long, too short. Make sure that I am comfortable. Oh, Jesus. Y'all coming back next week, I just want to check because I got to make sure we have a crowd here next week. By the second week, they're sitting there, and have you noticed that they get so comfortable they've not invested any money, not taken you out to dinner, not bought anything, but they're going to land in your house, and by the second week, they have been there too long, and they say, hey, could you pick me up? Say, why don't you just go down to Meyer, go pick you up what you want? <laughs> have you noticed though visitors don't have privileges and don't have blessings with the people who dwell in that house and reside there permanently? They come into my house. They don't have the privilege to knock the decor Brenda picked. Now they may say, did you really want this color wood floor in the house? You know what really looks stunning in here? Let me tell you, by two weeks, can I just tell you, you don't have the privilege to tell me how bad you how bad we designed a house. In fact, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set the thermostat to me because I live here, and you don't get to pick the colors, and you don't get to pick the wood. Do you know why? My wife gets to pick that. You know why? Because she's not a visitor here. Uh, if you don't know, me and my wife cohabitate. 
And there's something about cohabitation where it gives you the privileges and the rights to put certain things in there because you're investing in the very place and you're not a visitor. You might be okay for a visitor for a little while, but when there becomes a place of you're moving beyond visitation, guess what? There are privileges and there are benefits that begin to happen because you cohabitate with that person. Can I tell you that in the body of Christ, we are not seeing the blessings in people's life like we ought to because they're treating God like they're a visitor. Well, God, I'm here visit. Lord, perform for me today and make sure the song is what I want today. And if I don't get the song I want, I'll be sure to tell somebody at church about the song I didn't get. And because you're, you're a visitor. You, you didn't get what you wanted to drink. You didn't get what you wanted to eat. I didn't like that message. You didn't get what you wanted to eat. But can I tell you, people who invest in the house have privileges and rights in the house and receive the blessing of the house that visitors don't. Visitors are going to be gone. They'll be gone. But how many people that are the ones that inhabit the house are the ones that receive the blessing of the house? And this woman said, I'm tired of him passing by. I want him to dwell in this house. So you've got to stop having a visitor mentality spiritually. You've got to move beyond visitation like a visitor and move to becoming habitation. This lady says, I want to become a place of habitation, not a place of visitation. She said, and the only way that we can have him to be a place of habitation is we've got to find a way to be tethered and tied to the presence of God and everything that is God, we're going to tether to it. So here's what she says. Watch this. This requires something from people to walk in the blessing of God. Watch this. Verse 10. She says, please. She looks at her husband. So I don't know. Maybe she had to barter with him because he was a shrewd businessman. She was a wealthy person. And all of a sudden, he says, well, he's eating free here now. I mean, come on. What? what? What else, what else could he want? She says, let us make a little walled upper chamber. How many have ever done a building project at your home? How many wish you'd never done the building project at your home? Don't you, how many wish you'd just hired it out? Just hired it out. Just get it done. You know, uh, Brenda and I went through that very thing. And uh, we got this house. And oh, my goodness. Oh, it was, it was a lot of work. And the one thing I know that when you want habitation and you want to dwell in something, sometimes there has to be subtraction before there's an addition. I'm sure that they had to tear down walls to make a place for this guy. I'm sure they had to change all these kind of things. And here's the deal. Some things have to go sometimes to increase your capacity to get more from God. There are some things that you got to tear down in order to build up to increase the capacity for the presence of God to come in your life. Something greater is coming to you, friend. You know, there's some of you that have been coming to Grand Rapids first for, for a while. First of all, when you first walked in, you were a little shocked and said, boy, these people are a little rowdy. But now we're into the sixth month and you're still with these rowdy people. And it had to change you a little bit. You've come to Grand Rapids first because God's been stretching some of you. It's been stretching you. You didn't have that stretch before, but you've been wanting more than just a visitation. You're wanting, what is this presence of God? And you're seeing it. You're having spiritual encounters with God, not just here in the services, but beyond the services, in your own house, in your car while you're driving. You're having encounters with God. You started seeing expressions of worship that you didn't realize were in the Bible, that people can actually clap, they can lift their hands, they can shout with praise, they can dance before the Lord. And you're seeing these expressions. You're seeing spiritual gifts where all of a sudden we have a 
word of prophecy. You hear a message in tongues and interpretation, and you're looking in the Bible and say, wait a minute, this is in the Bible. You're coming to a place where you're not just sitting in services, you are serving in the house of God. You are blessing people. You're a hero. You're worshiping. You're involved. You're, you're ministering to people, and you're seeing your capacity for God grow more and more and more and more. Why? Because you are joining your spiritual house to God's house, and his presence is increasing your capacity, but you had to tear some things down. How many thank God for tearing some things down in your life? There's subtractions you got. She goes, let's make a room, but we got to tear some things down. And sometimes some things may, some things may be occupying your spiritual house for some of you that needs to be tore down before God can increase your capacity for more. He's tearing some things out. Oh my goodness, if you ever had to do a renovation, we, we just didn't do, we, we gutted that house. Brenda says, I love this house. You could see all the trees and everything. And you know me, if I have the power to bless, I am going to bless. And I told Brenda, okay, you can take the project. And Brenda's watching online. She's sick today and she's watching online and she's sitting there in that house right now. And she's now remembering all that we had to do to make that house work. I started out, she goes, let's tear down a wall. Well, when we tore down a wall, we found some uh, little mice calling cards. <laughs> and when they start tearing down, I said, that, that's unsettling to me. Can you tear some more walls down? And as we tore more walls down, we noticed there were a lot of mice leaving their business card. And by the time we got done, I said, keep tearing, keep tearing down till you don't see one calling card in this house. Keep tearing, keep tearing, keep tearing. And by the time they got done tearing it down, we had over 700 dead mice in the house. We had two live bird nests in the walls, two active beehives in the walls. And by the time they got done tearing down, I could see from one end of the house to the other end of the house. I could see from the upstairs all the way to the downstairs. We had ripped everything out. Then we discovered that they said, hey, this, this is not up to code. You got to change the wire and you got to change all these windows. You got to change the stairs because we didn't meet code. But you know what? We kept on persevering and persevering. We kept going to counseling session after counseling session. <laughs> That's not true. That's not, that's not true. Well, we prayed a lot, Jesus. We prayed a lot. We waited, we patiently, but I'm going to tell you, when we walked into the house, Norm was with us, when we went into the house, and we walked in the house, we could smell something in that house. You knew there was something. Now, the walls looked great, but some people were just been satisfied with just painting the walls and not dealing with the excrement that was on the other side, bringing forth an odor that was bringing disease into the house and everything else, but no one wants to deal with that. How many of you have ever bought a house where someone just put a coat of paint over it or popped up a wall, and now you're dealing with the aftermath of something they they wouldn't deal with. But here's the deal. When the city came in, they said, hey, you need to meet code. Now, for some of us, I'd go, oh, that's good enough. Stairs, who needs stairs? Let's go down to Home Depot, get us a ladder. We can make it right up. We'll shimmy right up that bad boy. But you know what the code did is someone else had to step in to show me that if you're going to occupy this house, there are certain criteria for you to have habitation that you're going to have to deal with. And I think sometimes in the spirit realm, God sends an inspector of the Holy Spirit and the word to you 
and he brings it into your sex life, single person, and God says, if you really want to see blessing, then apply, because I'm the one that created sex. I'm the one that created before you. If you'll listen to the one who created it, if you'll look at the one who knows how to design it, if you look at the one that'll say, here, use this code and this standard, you're going to see so much blessing on the other side like you've never seen before if you'll start following God's code so you can occupy and God can occupy and start blessing your relationship with your spouse. See, some people, they don't want to use the code, God's code, when it comes to their finances. But if you want him to occupy and dwell in your finances, then you need an inspector besides you saying, well, I think it's enough. See, what happens is now American Christians is we're using our standards and our feelings as the inspectors, and we still wonder why we can still smell the smell, and there's something behind that wall that's irritating me, and I don't know why there's no habitation of God and why God's not blessing this certain area of my marriage, my mind, my relationships. He's not blessing this, and maybe it's because you've become the inspector, and you've pushed the one, the chief inspector, the Holy Spirit, and you're allowing the world, and you're allowing everybody else to tell you what ought to be there when you ought to take God's word and the Holy Spirit and said, Holy Spirit, you being the inspector because the real one I want living here is not me. I want you dwelling in this house. So you tell me what you'll move into. And so here's what happens. When you start getting God, you, when you move and you want to become a place of habitation, you start tearing things out to increase your capacity for more of God. And some of you, that's been happening to you. You've been serving the devil an eviction notice. You're going behind closets. You're going into the basement. You're going into the wiring of your soul. And you are saying, this is not going to dwell in my house. You know the reason why? Because God refuses to be a guest in Sam Rifle's heart, his mind, his spirit, or his attitude. He wants to be God of Sam Rifkogel's life, not a guest of Sam Rifkogel's life. He does not want to rent Sam Rifkogel. He wants to be a resident inside of Sam Rifkogel. Are you following what I'm saying? Because Jesus only rented tombs, but he bought you because he wanted to move inside of you. He only rents tombs of dead places, but buys you by his blood. So he says, if you want my blessing, there are some things you're going to have to subtract if you want to be a habitation here. Mm. Then she says, but let's add some walls. I know we've got to tear some things down, but let's add, how many of you thank God for the additions? So look at the additions. Please let us make a little upper chamber and let us set up bed. Everybody say bed for him there and a table. Everybody say table and a chair, say chair and a lampstand. And it shall be that when he comes to us, that he will turn in here. He'll turn here. She knew that there were others that had the same opportunity for the place of habitation, the same exact thing, but did not do what she was willing to do. There are some people that are not willing to do what you know you need to do because you are more consumed with God's presence in your life than anything else. And she said, I will do whatever it takes. I will sacrifice, I will give, I will do whatever it takes for his presence to be in my house, to dwell with me. And how did she do this? She gave out a revelation. She said, I perceive that this is a holy man of God passing by continually. She didn't say, well, let somebody else do it. We already give him food. I mean, look, he's developing a pot belly. Come on, let somebody else bless him. No. 
she says, the blessings are not going to pass me by. I want the presence of what I sense. This is a servant. of The presence of God is here. I will do whatever it takes for it to live and have habitation because I'm tired of just the visitation. Mm. There are things you need to add to your life. Some of you have been adding things to your life. Maybe you're a first-time attender. Maybe you're watching online for the first time. You're in a different state. I want to ask you to do something. Put some additions in your life and watch God start blessing you. I'm, I'm asking you, though, some of you here for the first time, you give the presence of God in this house a year to work in your life. Just attend for a year. And I want you to look back over the months and watch how God starts growing you. Go beyond Sunday and start tying yourself to, to, to other people in your small groups. Get involved in ministry and watch God start, start developing you. The grow, the grow class, the grow this way, it's right after the service. There's one online right after the service. Start giving yourself because it requires sacrifice from you. But when you start making the additions after you make the subtractions, watch the blessing happen in your life because this speaks to something, the additions. The bed speaks of restoration, a place of rest and being restored to go again. The table was a place where the meal was provided. It was the place of provision. Watch this. The chair spoke of the position of authority. It was position. It was leadership to recognize leadership, to recognize authority. She put a place that this is a place of authority for this man. And the lampstand speaks of illumination so you can have direction when things seem dark and dim around you. You still have the guidance. Here's what happens. When you become the place of habitation and you say, God, you're the God of rest for me. God, you're the one that has provision. I give provision. God, you are the place of authority. And God, I want your guidance. When she gave that to the man of God, watch this. Everything she gave came right back to her. Because when you become a place of habitation, blessings of restoration are trailing behind it. it I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm telling you, the trail of blessing is behind it. Now watch this. Some people give. They say, oh, I get it. So if I give myself and I do this, then God will bless me. No, 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 no. It's not the blessings of God you're wanting. It's the presence of God that you're wanting. You want the presence of God, not the presence of God. This lady gave. Now, I want to show you something about why I believe God blesses this woman. She gave not expecting a reward. Okay? She didn't even earn a reward. In fact, she hadn't asked for anything. She's given a lot of money. She's given time. She's given meals. She was wanting the presence of God to stay with her. I just want the presence. Because he sends Gehazi, his worker, to him. He says, go, now, go ask this lady what she wants. Go read the story. Go ask her what she wants. Her kindness to us. She provides a meal, builds this place. She gives us a table, a chair, a bed. I mean, I mean, look at all this. A lampstand, everything. What She's given us all this. I can step, I don't have to stay at Motel 6 anymore. I get right, no bed bugs. I'm right in here. Watch this. Gehazi goes to her and says, what do you need? Is there any way we can bless her? Can we bless her? He goes to her and says, can we bless her? He goes, go ask her. She, said, she goes, he goes, what do you need? We'll go talk. We'll talk to the king. This lady, he says, I will go to the king. I have, I have access to the king. Can I mention your name to the king? The king will bless you. Then she said, he says to her, how about if I speak to the, cap, the captain of the army? Anything. She goes, I don't need anything. She goes, speeding ticket, something. Racing your chariot. I don't know. You need off the hook. 
And look what she says to this guy. She says, no, she replied, my family takes good care of me. She didn't ask for anything. It was not a motivation that I give so God will bail me out. It wasn't I'm praying so God will heal me. It wasn't a prayer so God, I'm praying so God will, will, will visit me. It wasn't saying I'm going to be kind to someone so that others will be kind to me. It wasn't that at all. She says the pure motivation is I just want the presence of God to be with me all the time, period. This is interesting. Do you know that when you have that mentality, have you noticed that when you have that spirit, God ends up blessing you anyway? So he blesses her. She didn't even ask for a blessing. So Elijah asked Gehazi, come on, you've been around the woman. What does she need? She's not, she don't want nothing. What does she need? She goes, well, I know she doesn't have a son. And she didn't, I, th I, think, she, I think she'd like to have a child. And I know her husband is too old and I think it'd be really cool if she had a son. She didn't ask for a son. And guess what happens? Because she cared for the things of God, God blessed her anyway, and she didn't even put in the prayer request. Are you listening to me, church? If you will just seek the presence of God, he will answer prayers and bless you for things you didn't even ask him for. It's all about habitation, the presence of God. Watch this. Look at verse 16. He comes up to her, then he said, he looks at the woman, Elisha says, at this season next year, you will embrace a son. Oh my goodness. And she said, no, my Lord. Oh no, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. The woman conceived and bore a son at that season the next year as Elisha had said to her. She said, don't lie to me. She said, please don't lie to me, oh man of God. Please don't lie to me. Why did she say, please don't lie to me? Because she knew that she and her husband were beyond the place of being able to be restored. She knew in the natural that she had gone beyond the ability to be blessed. But simply because her heart was the presence of God, God went beyond the ability of her being blessed. And she gave birth to something when she knew she was beyond the ability and so was her son. She said, don't lie to me, man of God. And I'm here to tell some of you right now, if you'll get in the presence of God, he will tell you things that will sound like a lie. And he'll take things that you think are dead and can't be restored and he will bless you beyond the place that you have the ability to even be blessed simply because you desire the presence of God. But watch this, in the times of crisis, everything she provided for him, she got right back. Go read the story. I'm just, you go home and read the story. Everything she provided for the presence of God to make a habitation came back to her. She received restoration. She received peace, and you'll see it in just a moment, peace and rest. The table... She didn't even ask for the provision of a son, and God gave her a son. See, she had all the money she needed, but she, the one thing she desired, she didn't have, and she didn't even put the prayer request in. God will give you the things you know you really need and what he really wants you to have when you seek his presence. And he gave her a son. Look at Cher. She had access to the man of God anytime she needed it. When her son died, she has the son. The son dies. The child, the child dies. She goes running after the prophet. She immediately has access to the prophet. He restores and resurrects the little boy. Watch this. Everything, she, illumination. He had illumination for direction at night. Guess what? She got direction when things got really bad. So you go through the whole, just go through all of, of 2 Kings. Look at 2 Kings chapter 8. 2 Kings chapter 8 was very interesting. Go through the story. This lady later, 
Later on, he tells her, there's going to be a seven-year famine here. He says, get out of here. He tells her, get out of here. Take you and your family and get out of here because there's going to be a famine and go to the land of the Philistines. Just take my word for it. It's happening. Sure enough, she goes to the land of the Philistines. Well, while she's in the land of the Philistines, she comes back and they have taken her property and people have, strangers have dwelled in it and they're taking the harvest from her land and not blessing her and they've ripped her off for seven years. Get this, it's almost eight years later, he tells her go. He gives her illumination what to do. Eight years later, she comes back and the king is talking to Gehazi and said, tell me the stories about what Elisha did. I want to hear some of those stories. Tell me the stories. And he's telling, her the, telling him the story about how he resurrected this woman from Shunem's son from the dead that he prophesied and said, you're going to have a child. And he raises her from the dead. And while he's telling the king this, this is almost eight years later, while he's telling the king this, the lady walks back in into the presence of the king. Chair, authority, access. And the king looks at the woman, 2 Kings 8, 6, and looks at this lady and says, is this true? The king asked. And she told him the story, so he directed, the one, he directed one of his officials to see that everything she had lost was restored to her, including the value of any crops that had been harvested during her absence. Seven Seven-year famine, almost eight years later, God makes them pay back and gives her provision because she got illumination of what to do because she had a habitation for the presence of God. Are you seeing this? When you start truly making a habitation for God, everything you give to God comes right back to you. When you're tethered to God's presence, you start tethering to his principles, you start tethering to his promises, and guess what? You get this unbelievable peace and rest in his presence. I'll close with this. When her son died, she runs to Elisha. She runs to him. And Gehazi encounters her. It says, when the man of God saw her at a distance, her son dies. This is after he just prophesied a son, and now he's a little boy, and he dies. Heat gets to him, and he dies. When the man of God saw her at a distance, he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, there is, a, there is the Shunammite. Please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered, It is well. When she came to the man of God, to the hill, she caught a hold of his feet, and Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone. This lady has a chair of authority positioned with me. Let her alone, for her soul is troubled within her, and the Lord has hidden it from me, and he has not told me. She goes straight to the man of God, straight to the chair of authority. But when he comes to her, he says, Gehazi says, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your son? She knew her son lied dead back at the house, but she looks straight in the eyes of Gehazi and says, everything is going to be all right. 
Because when you have a place of habitation, you have a rest like nobody else has when trouble hits your life. You have a peace that is so uncommon and so unusual. People think, what in the world is going on? It's simply because of the presence of the Lord. And I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what kind of trouble Satan has sent at you. But if you'll make it a habitation for the presence of the Lord, and your prayers are not some escape hatch prayer so God can just bail you out and bless you with a miracle, but it's truly God, I want you to dwell here. You tell me what I need to subtract, and you tell me what I want to add. All I want is you. Can I tell you, you will come to the place where anytime Satan throws something at your life, whether it's loss, whether it's tragedy, whether it's sickness, whether it's a divorce, whether it's people walking away from you, whether it's bitterness or hurt, you can walk in the absolute peace of God because you stay tethered to his presence completely and continually. You will look at it and say, it is well. You'll understand Psalm 4.8. In peace I will lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord, of my safety. You'll have, a table of, you'll have a table of provision, just like Paul said. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all you need from his glorious riches. Look what he says. Which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. When you give your heart to Jesus Christ and the devil lies to you, no, 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 you've got a chair. Ephesians 2, 6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. You can say, it is well. When you're sitting there going through confusion and something's really dark in a relationship and something's dark in your life or you're walking through stuff in your business or your family, say, I don't know what to do, Pastor. Psalm 119, 105, come on, his word is a lamp to guide your feet and a light for your pathway. The steps of the righteous will always be ordered by the Lord. Why? Because you stay in habitation in his presence. And I don't know about the rest of you, but I don't need visitation. I want his presence to stay tethered to me all the time. And I think there's some of y'all in this room. They say, God... I want to be a place of habitation. And there's going to be things you didn't even ask prayer requests for that he's going to bless you. Things you stopped praying for because you thought they were beyond being blessed anymore. Oh, well, now my son, is, my son is 45 years of age. He ain't going to come to the Lord. He's already made a decision. God has the power to bless you beyond your ability to even be blessed and give you requests you didn't even ask for. But how many know it all comes with saying, God, move in. I want you in every part of my life. You be the inspector, Holy Spirit, word of God. You be the inspector. You wrote the code, Holy Spirit. You be the inspector. And I'll take down what needs to be taken down because all I want dwelling in this place is nothing but you. Nothing but you. Oh, my, my, my. How many know God inhabits the praises of his people. Oh.